Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're going to talk about men as servant leaders in their families. That's really the role of man as a servant leader in the marriage. And part of what inspires this is I do a lot of couples work. And periodically I get a religious couple. And the man loves to say in front of the wife that the man is the head of the household as Christ is the head of the church. And then they tell me about how their wife doesn't listen to them and they yell at them and they don't listen to them and how she's disobedient to him and that uh, he's really clear about how the household should be run and she just doesn't do what he says. And then the wife tells me that she experienced this as unsafe, um, that she feels abused, that she agrees with her husband about uh, the importance and value of the Bible in their life and their religion and their faith, but the way he's executing it doesn't feel right to her. Now, if you're not a religious person, this is going to still be a great episode to you because it's really, uh, there's a whole conflict going on in our culture right now about what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a husband? Uh, there's a whole space out there about toxic masculinity and and men who show up a certain way are toxic. And there's uh, books like No More Mr. Nice Guy, which explain that many men have sought being a nice guy as refuge. There's a, there's a, Let's face it, there's a lack of clarity of what is the role of a husband today now that men and women are finally recognized as equal. And the other thing that's happening is women are now more and more becoming the primary breadwinners. More and more men are stay-at-home dads. And so the whole concept of fatherhood and motherhood has changed. And so this episode is dedicated to principles for men of how to show up in a marriage. And if we take this thing that these religious guys are always throwing at me and study it, it, it comes down to five or six basic concepts, right? There's a concept of leadership. There's a concept of provision. There's a concept of protecting. There's a concept of serving. There's a concept of uh, balancing the needs of the family and the community. There's a concept of um, mastering negative emotions, which isn't talked about often. Uh, and let's start with mastering negative emotions, actually. A lot of the couples that I'm working with, and a lot of the guys, I have a program for men who are recovering their marriage when their wives say they've just had it. Uh, a lot of the problems that these relationships have and that men have is they're not mastering their negative emotions. And for the purpose of this podcast, negative emotions are the realm of um, mad, sad, unafraid. And within that, let's also have hurt. Right? These are negative emotions. Uh, ne not negative that, in that we shouldn't have them, but negative in that they don't, they're not always super helpful or positive. They're not positive feeling. But they're necessary, right? I mean, let's face it. When somebody dies, we need to feel sad. Uh, we need to process the sadness. When our feelings are hurt, it needs to be expressed in some way. When we're angry, there's a message. There's a lesson in every emotion. And if we go back to 
the original concept that a man is to the household as Christ is to the church. You know, Christ was a servant. He washed the feet of his disciples. He never forced anyone to do anything. And his mastery of his own emotions, at least as it's provided to us in the story, whether you believe he's the son of God or whether you believe he's just an enlightened dude, there's a lot of history and there's a lot of stories about how he handled it that we can learn from. And that's what I'm here to present on. You know, his mastery of his emotions, uh, the particularly negative emotions, was pretty amazing, especially given his time. You know, this is a guy who uh, was betrayed, knew he was going to be betrayed by one of his best friends, right? And one of his closest, his 12 disciples, Judas was like one of his BFFs and forgave him in advance, knowing that he needed to do it, right? So he was hurt by it. Yeah, he was sad by it. He also saw that it was a necessary part of what he needed to do. And he forgave him completely for it. And he mourned for him that uh, he said, wow, I feel so bad for this guy. The person who betrays me is going to feel just awful. He didn't meet that with condemnation, right? So there's a lesson there for us as men that uh, we can feel hurt and we can feel sad for people for their choices, even as they impact us without necessarily going to condemnation. You know, and a lot of times as guys, we feel like we need to hang out in anger. I could do a whole podcast just on this piece right here. We need to feel like we need to hang out in anger because it feels empowering. And, you know, Jesus, the way he's presented in scripture, when he gets angry, um, he is always compassionate of others. There's uh, there's texts about how he was mad at the authorities at the time, but he looks, he gets mad at them, and he, but he looks at them with compassion and even sadness that they, that they don't see the truth that he's trying to share with them. Uh, he gets mad at them. He, the thing he gets really mad about is when people take the idea of the greater good and use it for self-promotion. And how often do we see that in society today? We see people running for political office, claiming that they're going to help people and they're doing it for their own self-promotion. We see religious people do this all the time. How about those guys who are driving uh, Bugattis and have private planes at the expense of their church, right? Like that's that's the kind of thing that would really piss Jesus off as a leader, but he wouldn't sit there and throw darts at them. He would call it out. He would say, you know what? That's not cool. That's not okay. You know, you, you guys really need to look at what you're doing, but he wouldn't attack them physically. Uh, there's that incident of um, him going into the church and being really upset that people were selling things inside the church, uh, that they were profiting, you know, in the name of God. You know, and even then he flipped over tables and made it impossible for them to continue to do business, but he never attacked them personally, right? So there's a, there are lessons here for us as husbands. Um, he never took out his anger on his family. He, he never, he, the only time he would ever speak to them in a recriminating way was if he felt that they weren't getting a lesson but even then he wouldn't yell and scream at them. He would say to them, hey, you're missing the point. And then he would tell them the point. He wouldn't be, he was never punishing, right? So the lesson here for us as husbands, fathers, men is we don't need to be punishing and we don't need to be bribing. All right, so let's talk about what does it mean to be a servant leader in the context of managing our negative emotions. So what it means is uh, we want to make sure that when we're angry, we're expressing it in a way that shows compassion for the people around us. Not that we're just exploding and acting out, but that we're getting that anger for us points to a misdeed. We see a misdeed or an injustice. And the question is, how do we call out that injustice 
in a way that is compassionate to everyone around us, including the person who's committing the injustice. That's the lesson. And you know, I'm, I don't have the answer for you. When you're in those situations, you need to ask yourself, wow, I'm angry. Something's not right here. Is it something in me? Is it something outside of me? What's the injustice? How can I call that in a way that is compassionate and caring of the people around me? And as leaders right, in our family, it's not our job to say, I'm in the charge. This is what we do. B. It's not about that. It's about saying, hey, here's the vision that we created together. All right. Let's make sure that what we do is in alignment with that vision. And at the same time, honoring that as men, all right, our brains are hardwired to move towards a goal, that shared vision that you've created with your partner, but that our partner, their brain is hardwired to make sure that the ecology of our household and our relationships is balanced in the face of that goal. And so we need to work with our partner and treat them as an equal in doing that. You know, and in all the stories of uh, Christ and his disciples, he allowed them freedom to run the community as they saw fit. He did not micromanage. He leaned into the strengths of each one and allowed each one to lean into their strengths. And so the lesson here for us as servant leaders, we need to lean into the strengths of our family and allow each person to grow in their strengths. And as servant leaders, right? This is a guy who washed the feet of his disciples. He stripped down naked, wrapped a towel around himself, completely vulnerable. He made himself completely vulnerable and then proceeded to wash the feet of his disciples, right? And in those days, people walked around in sandals and their feet were dirty at the end of the day. That was the dirtiest part of their body. So he, we, he washed their feet before they went and, and ate together with the most humble act he could do. So for men and fathers and husbands, and maybe for wives as well, you know, the best kind of leader is a humble leader who's willing to serve their family. He allowed people to make mistakes and learn from them. Uh, there are countless examples of him saying, hey, this is the way, and somebody would step away from it. There's this uh, great story about him and this rich dude. This rich dude comes up to him and says, hey, I want to follow you. You're the one. And he, Jesus says to him, well, you know, if you really want to follow me, you need to sell all your worldly goods and like just get on the road with us. It's kind of like a Grateful Dead thing, right? You need to get on the road with us, dude. The band is traveling. You need to like come to every show, right? And uh, the guy's like, the guy walks away sad because he doesn't feel like he can sell his worldly goods. And is, does Jesus reprimand him? He says, no, he doesn't reprimand him. It's like it's his choice. Look, this is the way. If you want to be on the road with us, like this is what you got to do. And if you don't want to do it, it's okay. Right. So unlike the example I gave you in the beginning of the podcast here, he doesn't say, this is what I said and you got to do it. And it's the same with our families, by the way. You know, uh, we can suggest things to our children. We can suggest things even to our partners, but we don't threaten. We don't bribe. Right. We allow them to make their own choices. Right? A, a leader allows others to make their own choices and make their own mistakes and have their own successes also. He doesn't micromanage. Uh, let's talk more about what is it. We talked a little bit about the, the, the humbleness and humility of serving his loved ones. So, you know, the, the leader the leader leads, uh, he points the direction, he encourages, no threats, no bribes, calls out consequences to people, 
Now he might say, hey, the consequence of you're not doing this is gonna be X, Y, and Z, but he still lets them choose. He doesn't call out the consequences like a threat. Hey, if you do this, this is what's gonna happen. He doesn't do it that way. He just says, hey, you know, a possible consequence of that choice could be whatever, right? So that's what, where we need to be with our families. He is the bedrock. I don't think I mentioned that earlier. Let's talk about what does it mean to be bedrock, right? This is really important for men in particular, but for all human beings. Being bedrock, I'll give you a story. You know, instead of me just going blah, blah, blah. I remember during the pandemic, uh, we had a house fire. And I was rock solid through the whole house fire. And we got into, uh, we had to go to another home while the house was being worked on. And I lost it when we got to the other home about something inconsequential. And my 20 year old daughter turned to me and said, dad, you're the bedrock of this family. You, you, can't, you can't do this. It's scary for me. It was like one of the most honest things she ever said. Like instead of going to a room or knuckling under, I was so impressed with her. She said, this is scary for me. And I didn't realize that I was the bedrock. All right. And what makes us bedrock is that we embrace being servant leaders. We provide, we protect, uh, we know how to manage our negative emotion. In that moment, I failed to manage my negative emotion appropriately or well. And we're caring about family and community and how it all works together. But what really makes us bedrock is that we know what is most important. The things that we would rather die than, than compromise. Right? And I find that a lot of the men that I work with are really shaky on this. You know, they feel that, um, that they're, they're compromising their values all the time. And sometimes they're compromising key principles. Right? So the difference between a principle and a value is values are somewhat fluid. Uh, the values are fluid in the sense that they're situational. So if you're in a concentration camp and you want to survive... You, know, you may have values about sharing and giving to others that stop applying under those circumstances because you want to survive. Right? So survival is a higher value than sharing. Or it might be that you find a way to link sharing to survival and make that work. But uh, um, under those circumstances, under survival circumstances, there are a lot of values that are kind of a luxury for us today. And thank God, right? But principles, principles are bedrock that we, things that we don't, compromise to the best of our ability. And when we compromise, we feel it hurt, feels hurtful and painful. So a principle is a uh, servant leader is a principle. Um, being a protector, you know, I'm the protector of my family. Why am I the protector? Well, I'm the biggest, right? I'm a guy. Another reason is I'm actually trained for it. Uh, I mean, I've got years of martial arts training. I'm like, if something goes down, that's scary and threatening. I'm best suited for that role. So I am the, like, the protector of my family. And you know, much like Jesus, I'm willing to give myself, or, or like or any of you, I'm willing to give myself for my family under those circumstances if necessary. My family's instructions are, if we're walking down the street and it looks like there's a bad dude or dudes coming or something physically scary is coming, they are to go to the other side of the street and let me handle it. And they can call the police, run away, whatever they feel is appropriate, but they leave me to confront whatever it is because I'm trained for it. Um, those are basic principles. These are principles that I live my life by. And they know that, that that's a principle. We've talked about it. I've given them instructions on it. This is a principle we live by. And they do not even question it. My wife has never said to me, what? 
she just says yes because she gets it right i'm you know 70 pounds heavier than her and she rides horses every day and i practice martial arts regularly it's just we do different stuff when we're she's riding horses she's in charge there that's her arena on the street i'm in charge that's my arena all right bedrock principles that we don't compromise on that's the point of that story things that we just know i've got a client who uh, right now who has a principle of preserving his family's financial future and his wife is not in alignment with that and he would rather not be in the marriage than being out of alignment on this and so he's navigating how do i be true to this principle without being angry controlling uh those are the two keywords there for him and he's really working on it okay uh let's talk about a little more about bedrock so uh, jesus as he's portrayed in uh the new testament was honest always honest uh, or you know when he appeared before authorities and they asked him questions he was always answered honestly um, he was respectful even when threatened with death, he respected the authority of others. When asked to pay taxes, he paid taxes. Uh, he, he was always in integrity. He lived the way he taught people to live. Integrity, very important value for a lot of us. Um, he was obedient to his principles or God. Some of you may not believe in God. That's okay. So for you, it's going to be, I'm obedient to whatever is a power greater than myself um, that I respect and honor and revere, whatever that is. Could be the universe, whatever you have going on. You know, for me, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ by choice. I wouldn't put that on you though. That's something you got to choose. You can't make people do that stuff. And you may never choose it. And I'm good with that. That's your choice. <clears throat> um. And again, he was willing to call out the shortcomings of his flock, but he always did it in a gentle uh, and, well, was he always gentle? Uh, I remember at one point he says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. But um, Peter understands what he's talking about. Not that he's Satan, but that he's showing up in a way that's out of alignment with their family principles, basically. So he calls it when the family members are showing up out of alignment with family principles, he calls it out and gives them redirection does he did he drum him out peter out of the family no did he punish him for it no he called out the the lack of integrity with family principles and gave him direction all right and let's talk about this thing of um being a provider i haven't really talked about that uh, a key role of fathers is being a provider and that's changing. I myself live in a household where my wife is the greater financial provider than I am. So what does it really mean to be a provider? Uh, what in, in the examples that were given in the story of Jesus is that he took what was freely given to him and multiplied it, right? So uh, even though your wife may be the primary provider, your role is to take whatever she contributes and multiply it in some way. It might be if you're running the household that you multiply it by value shopping. It might be that you find a way to set some aside and invest it, but your job is to multiply it and not just to take it and spend it. 
but to spend it carefully and invest it. You're investing it into your family and multiplying it. It's more about that. It's less about who makes the money and more about what is what are we supposed to do with it? What are we supposed to do with money? What are we supposed to do with love? Right? We in, we multiply it. We speak faith and confidence into our partner and into our family. You know, um, you know, the study of male and female brains shows that uh, you, I don't know if you're I don't know if you're aware of this, but brains that develop in a body that has high testosterone evolve differently than brains that have high estrogen, which throw out men and women, bodies that have these qualities. The brains are actually wired differently. So the brain that evolves in a male body that has testosterone as the dominant chemical driver, uh, those brains, uh, the two lobes are less connected and communicate less with each other. Um, they tend to be much more uh, left brain, which is rational, uh, directed. Um, that's why men are sort of goal-oriented and, and brains that evolve in female bodies are super connected. So there's a lot of communication between the two lobes. They're more creative. They're more aware of their surroundings. They, women actually have better hearing than men um, and more better peripheral vision than men for whatever reason, probably something to do with the way those their brains are, those lobes are wired. And so um, even though women tend to be more aware of micro emotions on the face and uh, body language, the strength of men is that they, when they see uh, that there's a, an emotional void, let's call it, or that someone's feeling not great about themselves, we can be very focused and directed in speaking faith and confidence into that person. So our our wives, what uh, what they're hardwired for is they want to be appreciated. That's what they're like, just their chemistry. It's not a sexist thing. It's their chemistry. Uh, and so speaking faith and confidence into them, acknowledging their strengths, acknowledging that they're moving towards their dreams, the micros, the little ways, not just saying, oh, baby, you're so beautiful, but you're so beautiful. You know, I love the way you look at me when I uh, say something nice to the kids. I can just see on your face how it touches you and you look so beautiful in those moments. You know, I love the, the when our kids are crying, the way you take them in your arms and how you nurture them and you just give of yourself so much to them in a way that I don't know how to do. I wish that I did, but I just don't know how to do. That's the kind of faith and confidence that we want to speak into our partners and, and our children as well. You know, I understand that they, that our role as providers is to provide our bedrock, our strength to those around us. Um, and yeah, it might be also to provide financial strength, but the emotional strength is so much more important. Let me tell you. All right. And the last piece I'm going to talk about is family and community. Um, something that, that Jesus did really well, according to the books, is navigate social situations. Um, he did not allow himself to be pushed into leadership roles that he didn't want. I want you to think about all those times that you've been uh, in a 
uh, let me just tell you sto stories, all right? So I have been, I've started charities and I've been in charities and I've done service in my community. And I remember one time I allowed myself to be pushed into leading a charity, even though I didn't feel like it was a good match for me, but you know, it, there was an ego thing there. They were saying, oh yeah, you should do this. You'd be so good at it, da, 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 da. And uh, even though it didn't feel like a good fit, I took it on and it was a mistake. Um, I got frustrated and angry with the group process. You know, volunteer organizations are like turtles. They're slow moving, they're cautious, they're unwilling to take risks. Uh, and I'm not a turtle. <laughs> I, and I'm a big risk taker. So I, I, I had a really bad reaction to that. And, and I quit. By the way, I quit. And instead of filling out my turn, I quit, uh, which, which kind of let them down. Uh, and it was a wise decision to quit because I wasn't doing a good job. I was too frustrated in the role. It wasn't a good fit for who I am. It's in the same way, you know, Jesus didn't allow himself to be made the king of Israel to break the yoke of the Romans because he knew that wasn't what he was here for. He knew that wasn't his nature, his character. He wasn't that kind of, he wasn't that kind of leader. And so in the same way, we, we don't want to allow ourselves in our communities to be shoved into roles that are a bad fit for who we are. Now, some of us are really good fits for that role that I didn't take on, by the way. So I'm not saying you shouldn't be, allow yourself to become a leader. I'm saying it needs to be a good fit. Um, I think that Another thing that he did really well was he balanced the needs of his community, his family, we're going to call his family, his, what they now call the church, his disciples and people who hung out with him. More like, let's just think more like the Grateful Dead, the people who were following the band. You know, he did a really good job of making sure the people who were following the band were, uh, were cared for and uh, were, were, balanced at, with the needs of the surrounding communities. Uh, so what does that look like? That looks like, um, when he was doing the Sermon on the Mount and they're out in the middle of nowhere and there's like 5,000 men, which means there's probably another, you know, 5,000 women and children too. Uh, there's a lot of people there and uh, they're hungry and he calls on his family to serve the community uh, and, and does it. Um, and, you know, we're not going to probably, we're probably not going to serve our community with miraculously, but he was always willing to give to the community, have his family, teach his family, the principle of giving and he giving to the community. And he, he actually doesn't do it himself. He gives his family, the disciples, the food to distribute to the community. Um, and so he teaches them the value of servant leader, right? And so the, our community is the practice space for us to teach our families how to be servant leaders, to teach our families how to balance our family life with our community life, uh, for us to encourage and grow our families as individuals with the community is the is the experimentation ground okay so in conclusion <laughs> this, is, this is a lot of stuff here I, honestly i could do a podcast on each piece and i maybe i will um men today we are not caesar right uh 
no matter what books you read or where you're, what, what you think of being a man, being a man does not mean that we are Caesar. We lead with the permission of our family and we lead and leading simply means that we're out front. Being out front does not mean that we're making all the decisions. I really want you to get this. Being out front does not mean that we're making all the decisions, right? You and your partner will make decisions together. You'll make decisions leaning into her strengths and she will lean into your strengths. <clears throat> if you, when you, speaking to the men now, when you manage your negative emotions, you allow yourself to feel hurt and sadness, you are, and you take your anger and use it as a tool of compassion instead of as a weapon. And what I mean by that is when you take your anger and fix what needs to be, make straight what needs to be straight, either in your heart and soul or in the ecology around you in a way that is compassionate and caring about the people around you, you'll make the environment safe. When you stop trying to control everyone with your anger, and stop trying to control everyone with I'm in charge and all that nonsense. You'll make it safe. And when it's safe and you stop trying to control the people around you, then your partner and your family will allow you to be in front. And they'll allow you to be in front because you are the protector. You are a provider. You take what you they give you and multiply it and share it with them. You are the bedrock, they know what they can count on you for. They know that you live your life by principles, that you won't compromise those principles. They know that you live to serve them. Not serve them as a slave, but serve them in the sense that you are serving their highest self. You serve them in being their highest self, in fulfilling their greatest destiny. You serve them in this regard. They'll know that you're willing to lead in your community or serve in your community and that you will help them to evolve and grow themselves in the community. They all know that you respect and honor the government even when it appears corrupt, even when it appears oppressive, you will pay your taxes, abide by the law, show respect to leadership, even if you disagree with them. Now, I'm sure that Jesus wasn't really excited about appearing in front of Pontius Pilate. There probably He probably had a lot of opinions about him and the way he treated people, for example. But he still treated him with respect, the respect that every human being deserves. Right? I think that what that's about is even when we disagree with who the president is, when we start speaking about them in a way that's demeaning of them, we diminish ourselves as well. And we respect the fact that this person has authority over us. We may not agree with the choices that they make. We may not agree with the values that they live their lives by. We may not agree with a lot of things, but we treat them with the same respect that we would treat any other human being. And if and when leaders use the greater good as an excuse to profit themselves only, we may call it out, but we always call it out in a way that's compassionate and forgiving of the fact that they're human beings and that we could do the same thing. You know, those are, these are kind of the principles of 
being a man, a leader in your household. And remember, you can only lead, meaning out front. You know what it means to be out front in a war? It means you're the first one that gets shot, by the way, <laughs> right? So we can only lead being out front when we have the permission and support of the people behind us. And they're behind us because they choose to allow us to take the first steps. And they choose to allow us to take the first steps because they've decided that we are reliable, have integrity, and represent their interests and their choices. Not that we choose for them, tell them how to live, or tell them to get behind us. Right? It's, it's all chosen. It's all given. In the same way that our spiritual leaders allow us to make choices in our lives, we allow our families to make choices and respect them as whole and complete human beings. All right, I hope that's been helpful. Uh, reach out to me, rich at richinrelationship.com. Um, I hope this drives some controversy for you and have a great day.